everyone and welcome to dirty money examining the sinister side of finance and we have mike in the studio with us today how you doing mike i'm doing good how about yourself ben i'm good and we have an exciting show for you today guys we got the debt ceiling standoff for negotiations it seems like they might be coming to an agreement just in time to avoid a default it's exciting stuff uh then we got woke companies destroying themselves <laughs> several more casualties added to the pile of companies whose stock is sinking because of woke advertisements uh that they have been putting out which have sparked boycotts we'll give you all the details on that um and then we also got argentina raising its interest rate to 97 percent because inflation is just so high uh, in the country. Uh, if you're thinking of putting your money in Argentina, we'll tell you why it's not a good idea, okay? Even though you'd be earning 97%, you're not really earning 97%. We'll tell you why. Um, then we have Eagle Mountain uh, in California. An entire town was just sold for $22 million. Uh, Mike's going to tell us all about that. It's pretty interesting. And then we got CVS, which is getting into the healthcare game with a lot of different investments over the past few years. We're going to analyze what's going on with that company which is pretty interesting too and guys if you are watching or if you're listening to us on any of the major podcast platforms do leave us a five-star review share the show with your friends so that you can help us grow um but without further ado let's actually launch right into it hey everyone and welcome to dirty money delving through the foul belly of the sinister side of finance I'm Ben Hedges, and we have Mike in the studio today. How are you doing, Mike? Good. How are you doing, Ben? Great, as always. Well, we got a really exciting show uh, coming up today. So we got, obviously, the debt ceiling standoff for, well, the negotiations, which should hopefully succeed by uh, the end of the weekend or into next week to avoid that June 1st default date. We got woke companies destroying themselves, several more companies this week. They put out... Uh, Certain woke advertisements and people have been boycotting, resulting in a massive drop in their stock price. We'll give you all the details on that. Then we got Argentina raising its interest rate to 97%, their central bank. So you might think if you put money in Argentina, you're going to make 97% on your money. Isn't that great? We'll tell you why it's not such a good idea later on in the episode. Then we've also got an entire town in California was sold for $22 million, which is pretty cool. Mike's going to give us the details on why that was the case. And then we got CVS, which is entering the healthcare game, snapping up other healthcare companies. We're going to look into that whole story in a few moments at the end of the show. It's actually pretty interesting. First, Mike, I wanted to start with the debt ceiling. It's really sort of the story of the week. The two sides, the Republicans and Joe Biden. Republicans control the House, which really controls the purse strings. And then you've got Joe Biden. They are negotiating and they apparently... According to the New York Times, who cited people familiar with the situation, I love that, you know, they always cite people familiar with the situation, right? <laughs> the two sides are moving towards a deal to raise the debt limit for two years, which would push the issue past the 2024 election. So if they manage in doing that, raising the debt limit for two years, it will not be one of the issues debated in the election in 2024 which uh, could be good, could be bad, depending on how you look at it. They are, so they're raising that debt limit and imposing spending limits on discretionary spending in other areas apart from military and veterans. Uh, the deal would apparently cancel out 10 billion of the 80 billion that they were going to give to the IRS. And that money would then be shifted to other non-defense spending so that the Democrats don't have to make such big cuts 
in those other areas. And under this deal, the idea would be that non-defense spending would stay the same in 2024 as it is in 2023 and then grow by 1% in 2025, which if inflation is still a thing, technically growth of 1% would actually be a decrease because if inflation is at 2%, you're actually negative 1% or if inflation is higher, you're going to have negative growth, even though in dollar terms, uh, it's growing by 1%. And uh, from the New York Times, uh, negotiators were at loggerheads over work requirements for social safety net programs and for permitting an overhaul of domestic energy and gas projects. So those are the two areas where there's a little bit of a stalemate going on because the Republicans want people to work, uh, what was it, 20 hours a week in order to get food stamps and a, a few other programs? They want people to actually put in time to get receive benefits. But it's interesting, the social safety network requirements, like what exactly does that mean? That sounds like the new green deal where you're like, what are you, what are you trying to slide into this mess? Social safety net, that, that's um, things such as food stamps, uh, other program, other federal programs, benefits, basically. Not, I don't think unemployment insurance because that's done by the states, I think, but the, the other federal programs, I guess that's what they're talking about. I'd be curious to find out exactly what kind of funding was going into those. And it's interesting that they're raising the debt limit, but not establishing a fiscal budget. I think, you know, that whole social safety net thing, like my solution for that would be that I wouldn't give unemployment insurance. I would just offer people a job, like picking up trash or whatever. And I think these people would find another job pretty quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, trash men make good money, actually. Cleaning the sewers or um, cleaning toilets in government buildings or whatever. You know, I would give people, I say, look, we'll provide you a job. We guarantee you a job so you can meet your needs. But you're going to want to find another job. I think people would find another job pretty quickly. <laughs> that's a solution Time, yeah. Times square alliance or something isn't it <laughs> yeah all right those those are all you know contract government things i think the debt ceiling problem is just gonna keep perpetuating itself and we're gonna end up in a place where where we're constantly increasing i i mean at the end of the day someone should just come along and say well we'll uh, always have the debt ceiling raised forever no matter what. Right. So just raise it to whatever's necessary for the next six months. Ultimately, if they want to ever solve this problem, they have to significantly cut spending. They have to cut spending like by like a trillion dollars a year, which means they have to wipe out like an entire set of programs, like literally cancel food stamps or cancel Medicaid or something like that. You know, like if, if they want to bring the budget into balance. They can reduce the federal government in size by one third. And we could go back to when there was no income tax, because uh, I don't know if you know this, but income tax was only supposed to be a temporary solution. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Now it's year 110 where we've been uh, under income tax as a nation, this temporary solution, mind you, from uh, Woodrow Wilson. And we've got record revenues right now as well. That's also the thing. So there's no problem with tax revenue. That was their argument for the 87,000 new IRS agents. They need to, need to make sure we're getting enough revenue, but our revenue is actually at record highs. They just do need to cut spending. It's like a drug. We're at the, as a country, we're, we're hooked on this drug of spending and we just... You know, when they say, oh, we'll reduce the budget by 1% or whatever, it needs to be reduced, like you said, by like 30%, you know, like they need to, and, and everyone's scared of doing it because they think if they cut things, make noticeable cuts, they won't be elected the next time. So it's kind of like, that's a floor of democracy in a way. Just put term limits on Congress and the Senate. Yeah, because then at the end of their term, 
they can be like, all right, we'll do all the unpopular things now. We're going out anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. They never have to worry about being reelected. And so right. they're, they're actually trying to do things that are effective rather than try to be reelected to their seats. And that's the biggest problem with our government right now is that it's no longer a democracy or a republic. Our country is a corporatocracy. The corporations control it. So they're lobbying for who's behind everybody, who's behind Ron DeSantis, who's behind Nancy Pelosi, who's behind. They get money from somewhere for their campaigns. That money is accumulated through some corporate funding. Now those people have special interests that control our country. They all have their own personal interests in trying to get money out of our, out of our right. system, right? So yeah. the best thing we can do as a country is to make every purchase transparent, make it transparent. We bought an AR-15 for $872. We bought 300,000 rounds of 5.56 for our AR for X amount of dollars. But then won't they just say, we bought a toilet seat for $15,000. And well, then you're like, how that, does it cost that much? And then they're exactly. like, oh, <laughs> it's a special fireproof toilet seat for use on high altitude aircraft. And uh, you're like, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's when you send the actual high altitude fireproof toilet seat made out of carbon fiber for two grand. And you go, mm -hmm. here's the most expensive toilet seat on the planet. Plus it's plated with gold, you know? Yeah. Like, so the remaining 13 grand goes to the black projects, huh? Yeah. Right. I'm less worried about the military stuff though. I'm more worried about just like the waste and just giving people money for not doing anything. Like literally you know, <laughs> there's so many government programs you can just apply to and they just give you money. I remember cool. one time we, we got this uh, Medicaid thing, right? Like uh, when, when we were poor back in the day, like five years ago, and at the building where you go to apply for it, they're just giving out cell phones. Like there's a table and the people outside like, oh, would you like a cell phone? And I'm like, I don't want a cell phone. I got a cell phone. I'm like, yeah, but it's free. You might as well take it. And I'm like, well, I don't want it. I got one already. And they they looked at me really weirdly, like, why wouldn't you take it? It's free. And uh, that's just the, the problem, right? It's just like, oh, they've got the budget. Let's just hand it out. You know, these people, they don't think like, oh, if the people don't actually need it, uh, we might as well not give it. We might as well give some money back to the taxpayer. Those phones were commonly known as Obama phones. Oh, really? They, that's what that's what they it were was. pretty much everywhere in any any city you would find people trying to give away Obama phones. They got paid per phone. Wow. So, so they got paid per phone that they gave away. That's why so, they wanted to give them away so badly, isn't it? Exactly. Wow. So, yeah. And, you know, I think they could be still doing that. Um, so it's pretty interesting to really think about. I don't think it's as heavy now as it was back then. Maybe they reduced the payment. But it, it, it's it's wasteful spending. And the, the thing is, is how much money do we give to other countries? That's where oh, the real yeah. spending comes in, where yeah. we're getting billions and billions and billions I mean, of dollars to other Ukraine, countries. Ukraine, we've given so much money to Ukraine. And really, uh, in my opinion, we shouldn't be giving anything. No, definitely nothing military. I mean, maybe humanitarian aid for people who are escaping from it. But uh, why are we giving military? <laughs> it's ridiculous. The Europeans yeah. should be doing it. It's in their backyard. You know, why are we doing it? Yeah, they're not invading Mexico. Um, right. Yeah, we could spend that money down in Mexico on the, you know, the cartels. The general account of the treasury now, because we are talking about the debt ceiling, it dipped below 49 billion on Wednesday, which is actually pretty low. Here's the chart. So it's it's actually the lowest it's been quite a long time. 
And they estimate it may even dip below 30 billion at the beginning of June, which is kind of its minimum operating level. That's like the United States' checking account, right? The general account of the country that they use to pay all the, you know, fund the government. Now that the debt ceiling is probably going to be raised, Treasury, they're planning a sale of, uh, I think it's 170 billion worth of T-bills at the beginning of June. And they're going to do that immediately. So it does look like we're going to get a resolution. I doubt the US will default, but it is a little bit of a, a nail-biting journey. Yeah, there's a place to make money here. That's how really how I look at the debt ceiling is when they're coming to a solution, the markets rally. Right. When they're right. having, it's had to rally today. And last week on Friday, when there was no deal, the markets drop. Let's move on now to the second story, because this one's a lot of fun. So this week, there have been multiple companies that have been putting out woke advertisements and products. So we have the, uh, the North Face's Summer of Pride advertisement with a drag queen wearing a dress that's made out of a North Face tent or something. Uh, we have Ford with their gay truck, which actually this one was from 2022, but I think people just discovered it because of all the uh, all of the other ads, uh, Bud Light and all that stuff that's going on. Uh, and then we also have the tuck-friendly bathing suit from Target, which is supposedly a female bathing suit that men are supposed to wear. So uh, this has had devastating effect on the stock price of some of these companies we'll talk about in a moment but first let's have a little fun and let's actually watch some of these ads we'll start with the north face one so let's see if we can here we go nature lets you be who you are even gay hi ladies and gentlemen you are cordially invited to the summer of pride with my friends at the north face we're traveling all the gay across America, and everyone's invited. That means you. Me. And you. Hello. And you. Wow. Not you, though. You're too cute. Okay, just kidding. You can come. Put on your boots and come out. Side with us. See you there, besties. Don't you think this is all a little intense? I mean, look at you, you're in a literal tent right now. But no, this event will not be intense. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Uh, 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 oh, oh, man. I don't even know what to think about this at this point. I'm, uh, I'm like, really? Like... Yeah. Damn, like, couldn't you just do, like, a skiing commercial and, like, some show somebody jumping off of cliffs and, like, climbing Mount Everest like you used to? Yeah. Like, like is your target audience really drag queens trying to, to travel in tents? Like, I... that, that's your target. <laughs> you know, he was tenting in the, the, the dress tents. Yeah, I mean, that... the, when you really think about it, the whole thing is just so weird. Like, who watches... Like I've never in my life had had the urge to go and see a drag show. It's not a mainstream, you know, form of entertainment. And there, it's very obvious that there's an agenda right now that is trying to take this drag, this woman face, which is essentially what it is. It's making fun of women. If you did blackface, it would cause an outcry. Woman face is basically the exact same thing. All right. It's in my opinion, you know, it's a caricature, a cartoonish version of a female makeup done by a man. I, I think it's making fun of women. And also how the guy was in her dress at the end. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a kind of sexual 
kind of thing going on there too you know it's like when you really think about it, it's like why is there a guy under someone's dress like you wouldn't do that okay i know it's a tent but <laughs> you know oh but the window is all there it's all there isn't it and it's not yeah. even well produced like the, the thing of like those little eyes and the little cuddly toy and it's like who a child could have thought of that that's what really got me and i was like why why are, why are they having a back and forth with a fake rabbit in the middle of a road with fake but i was just like who approved this marketing plan and right. why did they think they were going to drive consumers to their products through this advertising advertising's goal is to drive consumers to purchase and to have awareness about your product in order for them to purchase sometime now or down the road what percentage of the population is a drag queen they're like literally 0. 0.00001 or something or even if it's two percent even let's let's just say it's two percent two percent of all men walking around are drag queens right or interested you, in drag queens <laughs> you gotta be a man to be a drag queen you gotta start as a man right so now you have to you have to be a a drag queen so so 50 percent of the population are men so out of out of 50 men two of them are drag queens let's say sounds insane to me but let's just say they are you're still only targeting two percent of the population with this advertisement right. it seems like they went the opposite way around like they were given a brief we need an ad with a drag queen in it and then they created the ad from that not oh let's look at our target audience let's think up you know what would entice them to buy the north face products i've got Literally, my whole skiing outfit is North Face. It's like eight hundred buck outfit, right? The jacket is like four hundred. The pants are like three hundred. This is the mid layer, right? You too, right? Let's move on to the next ad. This one's actually from twenty twenty two. This was the Ford gay truck ad. coming wow that so, truck looks really tough doesn't it so to me, that's less disturbing, like uh, leaps and bounds less disturbing. In my mind, from the last ad that we just saw going to this one, all right, you know, I look at the guy that used to race for DuPont in the NASCAR series. Jeff Gordon, he, he had Rainbow uh, on his DuPont car the whole time, all through the 90s and two, early 2000s. So it's like... But was the Rainbow representing something? Well, or was it just they, Rainbow? Really, yeah. I mean, you can look at it however you want. But it was always a joke amongst the NASCAR community, Jeff Gordon's gay. And it was like, whatever, it makes sense. 
but like the, the, there is nothing really wrong with a rainbow and, and so like right the, yeah. even this this like this is okay in my book i'm like all right whatever dude you guys want to <laughs> you guys want to do this cool like oh for tough i don't care you're okay with the gay truck. All right, that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. personally, I find that flag. I I just don't see the point of it because you know, the United States flag already represents everyone. I mean, the whole point. I mean, it's the Union flag. This flag. This was used to fight against slavery. You know, this fought the Civil War. This is the flag of the Union that opposed slavery. That I mean, it represents. There's a lot of stuff. It represents the civil rights movement, like everything. So it's kind of like, well, why do we need this other flag? This rainbow flag. I've met gay people in my life who don't necessarily even really identify with this this flag or this like culture that they're supposed to fit into this rainbow thing. They're just normal people, you know. I I, I think it's a it's a little strange, you know, especially a pickup truck, which you imagine the clientele for a pickup truck are going to be like tough men, like builders, and it's not really the clientele. Uh, again, like, poor targeting, poor marketing. Right. Agree, yeah. Percent, like. Oh, I waste your money. Who approved that? And where did they think they were going with it? Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, it's just weird. It's, it's just weird. But again, I mean, a rainbow, it's not really particularly offensive. It's, it's, I agree with you. Let's check out this bathing suit from Target. Do you guys see this? It's cut friendly. Mm -hmm. We're at Target checking out their tuck friendly pride collection that's right guys extra crotch coverage tuck friendly construction thank you target so this is a comedian there's been a lot of outrage about this so-called tuck friendly bathing suit now if you don't know what that is you might not it's a bathing suit that's a female bathing suit but it's designed for like biological men to wear and presumably it has a little pocket where you can tuck your uh, tuck your male private parts into so that you appear um more like a woman. You appear to not have a bulge there. I think that the thing that people are really outraged is that this is kind of, uh, a lot of this stuff in Target is actually targeting children. Uh, like obviously he was wearing an adult size one, but there's a lot of the pride stuff that they're putting in because we're coming up to the month of, I think it's June, right? Pride month where every every company changes their logo to a rainbow for a whole month. Hey, you know, anyone in the audience, if you're celebrating pride month, like whatever, nothing against you, but we're just kind of against the whole agenda targeting kids with it people have found a lot of this clothing in the kids section it's taken nine billion dollars off of uh, Target's stock price because people have been boycotting it and interestingly as well the app public square which is a sort of i guess you could say conservative marketplace or family values based marketplace where they they pick non-woke businesses and they promote them and stuff their app crashed today because there was so much traffic because of all these things that like target and etc uh, that have been happening this week with these woke companies causing people to boycott them. They actually had so much traffic that their whole website and app crashed because people are searching for non-woke products to buy. The Target stuff is all over everywhere right now. And I was having a conversation earlier and I was like, bottom line is it's a sexually related conversation. And anybody who has not gone through puberty should not be engaged in these conversations. Because their mind is not in that area. Their mind does not revolve around that subject in any way, shape, or form. You're introducing something that should not be introduced to a child. And so, you know, that's, that's the biggest 
hang up I have with it. Like you do whatever you want. But what I do care about is sexualizing a child. Yeah, they, they have no understanding of it. Children are impressionable and they follow along with what older kids do, right? So some kids, you know, maybe eight or nine years old, they see older kids getting into that stuff and they sort of pretend to be into it too, but they, they actually don't understand it at all. They don't have the desires, they don't have the, the urges and stuff. So they really can't understand it. And certainly, you know, the whole agenda they have going on right now where they're sort of targeting kids with the, the trans kind of stuff is really, uh, it's very disturbing because a, a child, you know, they, they cannot make a decision on, I mean, you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, 21 to drink alcohol. You can't make a life-changing decision about your body uh, as a little kid. So it's, um, yeah, it's very irresponsible. I think it's very interesting as well, though, with these companies now, because like literally every major company is woke, right? I mean, like they all sign up to this ESG stuff, you know, under the guise of equality. And uh, the what we're seeing with these like smaller companies actually getting a big audience through Public Square and other, you know, organizations that promote non-woke companies is kind of like a parallel economy. So I think it's actually a really optimistic kind of time where you've got this uh, this stuff developing with the grassroots movement of people saying, we'll make our own beer. We're not going to buy Bud Light. Let's go and let's go and buy beer from our local brewery of some, you know, founded by a veteran or who, you know, is a small business or something. Let's support those guys here. Right? I think it's great. So um, very excited to see like where this whole boycott of, of woke companies goes. Let's move on now to our next story, which is that Argentina has just raised their interest rate of their central bank to 97%. So if you if you hold Argentinian debt, if you invest in their currency, you'll earn 97% on your money. And it's funny, they raised their interest rate by 6%. So their interest rate was already at 91%, and they've raised it to 97 So um, yeah, it's just pretty amazing. Now, they, they actually have a presidential election coming up. So they're trying to obviously rein in inflation. Last month's inflation was above 100% in Argentina. So in case you were thinking, of uh, saying, wait, let's let's invest in uh, Argentinian currency and I'll earn 97% on my money. Well, think again, because if inflation's over 100, well, let's say inflation is 100%, you're getting 97% interest, but inflation's at 100, then actually you're negative 3%, right? So, so you're not going to be earning any money. Right now in the world, there's only two countries that have higher inflation than Argentina, and that is Zimbabwe and Venezuela. And here's what CNN said about this. So Argentina's central bank is also hoping to uh, that the rate hike will incentivize investments uh, in the country's currency, according to the central bank statement released on Monday. The exorbitant inflation resulted in large outflows of investments held in Argentinian peso, leading to a 23% decline in its value against the dollar last year. So yeah, Argentina's in trouble. I'm not putting any money there. That's for sure. I mean, Zimbabwe is at 150%. They blame it on the fact that Russia and Ukraine is having a war. Argentina, who has a lot of natural resources, it's very interesting to figure out what what are they doing? I mean, in, in April, the International Monetary Fund gave Argentina a break on a $44 billion loan that they have. But they've also gone through this crisis in 1998. In 1998, they, they had a beginning of what's a Great Depression there. I wonder how much this relates back to like the, the communist investment into South America, which really makes me think about, because you, know, you look at Venezuela, 
who, who basically was the most prosperous country in South America up until the 2000s when they were completely taken over by a socialist agenda that took all their wealth within a matter of 20 years. They went from the, the richest country in South America to among the poorest. In a blink of an eye, really, when you talk about history, why is their inflation gone up so much? What What's happened? Zimbabwe gives us a reason. Venezuela is pretty pretty clear what's going on there. But when you look into it, it's like, why you go from 6% to 91%? Probably going to go higher. I wouldn't be surprised if their interest rates went over 100%. Let's move on now to, I know there's a story that you wanted to talk about, which is this Eagle Mountain thing. And I'm pretty interested to hear all about it. So Eagle Mountain is a mining ghost town, but it's in California, borders Joshua Tree National Park. What's interesting about it is it's 10,000 acres, and it really never officially became a ghost town. Okay. They, they, still have a, they still have an elementary school. They still have like a semblance of a society. And in 1983 was the last year that they had a graduating high school class. So when you think of ghost town, you often think of 1800s, they went for gold, they went for silver, but this is an iron ore mining town in California that the company turned over and put up for sale and a trucking company bought it. So a lot of the headlines were like mysterious buyer just purchased entire California ghost. Town. The buyer's not really that mysterious. The buyer is a family that owns a trucking transportation company that's in California and they transport waste and, and raw materials. So they created a pickup part in 1966 in California. And then from there, they realized they needed trucks to bring in the parts and they ballooned into 600 trucks as a company. Everybody says it's this mysterious company. The only mystery is like, why would you spend $22 million on some dirt? 10,000 acres. But what have they actually bought? So how do you buy an entire town? I mean, everyone who lives in that town is renting. They bought the mineral rights and the land. Because the town was owned by a mining company and basically they built the houses so that the people working there could live in them. I'm going to guess that if they're a large trucking company then and they're interested in parts and material and this place is rich in iron ore, well, that's good for making parts. So maybe they want to get into parts manufacturing. The people that started the company, there's there's Kardashians in their family. The guys that started the company, their mother was a Kardashian from LA. I wonder what kind of family ties they have and if there is any at all. But that's the only thing that I found that was like maybe a question mark. So interestingly enough, it it, it seemed like a good buy. I mean, 10,000 acres for $22 million. I mean, it's desert land, but still pretty good. Rich in minerals. Yeah, rich in minerals, right. It, it only makes sense if you're a car car or trucking company, like, yeah, buy it. Also, maybe they want to build a massive truck stop. Well, there, there was this place called Desert Highway that's next to it. And a okay. guy bought a thousand acres for 6.2 million. And he wanted to build a massive truck stop because there's nothing in between this 40 mile stretch. It's like north of Death Valley, right? Over towards Joshua Tree. So it's on the other side of, if you go over the mountains from LA towards Palm Springs, Fundamentally, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of like no man's land. I don't know why you'd want the, want it to begin with. Let's move on to the last segment here today because we I know you've been interested in talking about this, CVS, which is getting into the healthcare game in a big way. You've actually done 
a load of research on this. So why don't you hit us with this, Mike? So uh, interestingly, CVS is also known as like one of the biggest pharmacies. CVS and Walgreens kind of go head to head. It wasn't until really 2006 they started to buy up different type of healthcare entities. In the 1980s, they did launch home healthcare system. It's kind of small. They're, the company originally started in Massachusetts, went to Rhode Island, New Jersey. And then from, from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, all they did was purchase up smaller regional drugstores. And they became okay. massive that way. But in 2006, they purchased the Minute Clinic, which allows you to basically go and get, you know, if you have pink eye or if you have something that's a commonly known, but it needs a pharmaceutical prescription, then you have to go there and you spend a hundred bucks and they just basically give it to you. But not until 2015 did they really start getting into purchasing things like health insurance companies and Omnicare, which is another healthcare company. They bought Aetna. They spent billions and billions of dollars on this. Aetna is a health insurance company. I think they spent close to a hundred billion dollars on that company. Yeah, I used to be with them when I was in New Jersey, Aetna. That was one of the most common ones in New Jersey. Doesn't it seem like a conflict of interest to own a health insurer, but then yet provide the medicine? <laughs> Maybe. <What? laughs> How does that work? That doesn't even make sense. So they quit selling cigarettes, you know, and I thought about that a while ago. I was like, I quit selling tobacco products. Oh, in, in CVS stores, they don't sell cigarettes anymore? No, not in CVS stores, no tobacco products. And I was like, is this the no right vapes. product? No vapes, no nothing. And I, I was like, is this the right direction for CVS to go in? And I remember hearing about it going, oh, that's it. They're done. And now I realize why they were doing it. They're, they're in the market of home healthcare, of yeah. owning a healthcare system without owning a hospital, which is the biggest operational component of having a healthcare operator is- They want to emphasize the health. It's a bit hypocritical if you you know, you walk past the cigarettes to go and pick up your- lung cancer medication i think they're in the business of making money is what they are right. and they recognize that healthcare is a trillion dollar industry in the united states and they want a big piece of it and so they they've done that they recently purchased purchased oak street health which is a primary care and it's the only primary care endorsed by the aarp that's a big deal because aarp is mm -hmm. for the senior citizens and so oak health oak street health is built around servicing senior citizens. And who uses healthcare systems the most? Senior citizens. Really smart company moves. Last year, they bought Signify Health, which is another home healthcare company. I'm curious to see where they go next. In 2021, they launched a $100 million health fund for venture capitalists, for health development tech companies that they would help to fund. And so they're, they're looking to really own a good portion of developing the future healthcare systems. The money part is really interesting. So they made $322 billion in revenue last year. We want to know what they're worth. It's only $84 billion. That's what their stock, the market cap is on their stock is 84 billion, but they brought in 322 billion. Here's a, here's a crazy thing to think about Tesla brought in 84 billion last year and their worth is 597 billion. Wow. Yeah. Price, price versus earnings is it's high. It doesn't even make any sense. So I'm, as I'm looking at this and I'm starting to understand it, I'm like, no one has a real true value of anything they're doing anymore that's publicly traded.
No, yeah, the PE ratios on all those tech stocks and Amazon and all those companies is in insanely high. I mean, you're talking like hundreds, you know? Yeah, and this is insanely low. <laughs> like, you know, you're bringing in, it's yeah. like four and a half times below their earnings, their annual earnings. Yeah, I mean, a low PE ratio can be that investors think that the company isn't going to grow that much more. That's why. So you see like often cyclicals or like those industrials companies, they often have low or utilities often have right. low P ratios because they think, oh, they're just sort of chugging along. They're not going to like have massive growth. But hey, I mean, CVS seems to be doing something. So hey, maybe it is a, a good a good stop for people to pick up. Not financial advice, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pick something up at a low P ratio. I guess you've got to look at the balance sheet. You got to see how much debt they have and. And stuff they, too, but... they had net profits of four billion dollars last year you know nice. so so i mean at the end of the day i'm not buying it because the perception isn't there you buy you not not advice buy stocks people think are going to go up like nvidia and tesla and facebook the the tech world's on fire not stock advice just saying so yeah. then that's that's how I, I look at it. But it's really interesting to see a company that's brick and mortar really diversifying itself to become something way more than what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's watch this space. All right, guys. Well, if you are listening to us on any of the major podcast platforms, do give us a thumbs up and a five-star review. Make sure you share the show with your friends. And if you like watching the micro content on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, or Instagram Reels, do follow us there too. Our handle on all those is at Dirty Money Show, so you can go check us out. Also subscribe on YouTube. We upload the full podcasts and the clips to our YouTube channel as well. As always, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Cool. And we will see you later on Dirty Money. Dirty Money.